Welcome to another edition of listener-supported KPBS Cinema Junkie Podcast. I'm Beth Accomando. Today, we're going to kick some ass. Cars, guns, knives, just basic stuff. You got to know how to make an omelet, right? Three years ago, John Wick served up a simple premise. Hitman comes out of retirement to avenge the death of his puppy. It rose above all the other action films because it was brought to the screen by a pair of veteran stuntmen, Chad Stahelski and David Leach of 8711. Not only did they know how to showcase their stunt team and star Keanu Reeves, but they also knew how to tell a high-octane revenge story. John Wick Chapter 2 picks up a few days after the first film, as John adopts a new dog, recovers a stolen car, and attempts to return to retirement. You're not very good at retiring. I'm working on it. But no matter how hard he tries, the bodies just keep piling up. So I guess you have a choice. You want a war? Or do you want to just give me a gun? Somebody please get this man a gun. I'll speak with Stahelski and with Common, who plays one of Wick's adversaries, and with Bay Logan, author of the seminal book, Hong Kong Action. Stahelski credits actor Keanu Reeves, with whom he worked on The Matrix, for providing him in 8711 with the opportunity to do an action film right. And that happened because Reeves had confidence that Stahelski was ready to move from stuntman to director. Reeves talked about working with Stahelski at a press junket for the film. Chad brings such an experience to physical production in terms of shooting action. He was a stuntman on a very high level, so he understands the cinema of action and what it takes to put that on screen. Part of what it takes is actors like Reeves and Common, who are willing to train extensively before shooting even begins. That allows Stahelski to shoot longer takes from wider vantage points so that the audience can appreciate that it's really the actors on screen engaged in the action. You have to do longer takes, the expectation's longer takes, and that's demanding. It's really demanding as fights go, fighting goes, movie fighting goes. You know, longer takes, is, again, it adds to complexity, footwork, cooperation. So it's been cool to be able to have time to train with Common and with Ruby to try and, you know, get the dance. And that's precisely what it is, an action dance. And Stahelski choreographs it with intensity, innovation, and cleverness to create what he calls gun-fu, a mix of martial arts and tactical three-gun, and whatever else you might find lying around on the set. As an action junkie addicted to Hong Kong and Asian cinema, I appreciate what Stahelski is doing. When I began my interview with him at the London Hotel in West Hollywood, I tried to convey to him how excited I was by the opening stunt sequence. First of all, it began with a nod to the stunt work of the silent clowns of Hollywood cinema, as a scene of chaotic black-and-white slapstick comedy is projected on a New York building, just before John Wick comes speeding into the frame. As wide shot after wide shot held on the action, I slipped closer and closer to the edge of my seat because it was so refreshing to see action not done with handheld shaky cam and a succession of rapid cuts that don't allow you to see anything or appreciate the skill of the stunt work. 
I began by asking Stahelski about how we approached that opening action sequence. Well, I think, like, my background comes from action directing and second, what they call second unit directing in Hollywood. Our company, 8711, deals with something called action design. There's stunt coordinating, there's stunt choreography, there's action choreography, which is choreographing the moves much like a dance sequence or a musical. And then there's the orchestration of the stunts, which most stunt coordinators do. And then there's action design. Action design goes to the next level of, while you're in the script and prep phase, how is this sequence going to be executed? How is it going to look? How is it going to be designed? And when we did the first John Wick, we kind of executed what we've always wanted to do in film. And I think in Hollywood, style, tone, like you know, you, the mise-en-scene of every project comes to fruition in the dialogue scenes and the photography and the lighting. Very rarely does it come together with action sequences. But then again, you have, like, I think the way Steven Spielberg executed the opening sequence in Saving Private Ryan. Nailed the tone, nailed the... Stayed with the character, told you something about the characters. It was incredibly well-designed. It was well-thought. It was well-executed. It tied directly into the story. Fantastic. It shot the way he wanted to shoot to give you that phonetic energy and keep you with the character. We're very similar in how we want to design our, our genre action films, whether it's martial arts or cars or motorcycles or explosions. We want you to learn something from the character. We want you to appreciate the tone. And we want you to <laughs> see the action. Um, so yes, we like wider shots. We like seeing real professionals, whether there are our acting performers or stunt performers, execute the choreography or the stunts that we want you to we want you to see. There are a few exceptions to what I'm going to say, but nowadays action is looked at as the execution only. It's not where we're going to do this. We'll let the second unit guys do it. The stunt guys come in. Because they don't want to spend the money on prep or they want to spend the time shooting it. The first thing that gets crunched in, in budget wars, which everyone has to go through, is either prep or days to shoot. So a lot of times you get an action sequence that's shot and executed, not so much to show things, but to hide things or hide imperfections. If the cast member hasn't had enough time to train, you'll shoot him tighter. You won't see as much because you don't want to see the imperfections of technique or choreography. If you use a stunt double, you're going to want to hide the double, so you're doing a lot of over-the-shoulders or super wide shots or super tight shots. You're trying to hide things. If you don't have the time, if the guns don't work or the weapons don't work or the car doesn't start or you can't go fast enough, it's more about hiding and not showing the audience as opposed to a lot of, lot of prep great professionals executing at a very high level that have been thoroughly rehearsed. And I mean rehearsed with the camera teams, the actual on-camera performers. Your cinematographer has lit a way that will entice you not just aesthetically, but the lights will be hidden so you can shoot wide shots. Pretty much the whole crew is in on the action. Mm-hmm. Pretty much just how the rest of Hollywood does dialogue scenes. <laughs> I don't know why they just you know, throw it to the wind when it comes to action sequences. We just put the same care into our action scenes that we try to put into our acting or our dialogue scenes. It's not hard. It's the same process most directors use for all their other scenes. For some reason, it just doesn't translate to action. I don't know. It's always a mystery to us. Well, I have to confess, I fell in love with action films through Asian movies, especially mm-hmm. Jackie Chan and Chow Yun-Fat, people like that. And I had a chance to interview Jackie Chan, and he talks about one of his big influences was Gene Kelly mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. learning how to shoot action mm-hmm. through that. Is that something that you also I'd appreciate? Say, I'll do you one better. Um, I've worked with Jackie and his team quite a bit, and Donnie Yen and his team, and Jet Li and his team. And you know, Huge influences. I love the Asian cinema. Love it, especially the 80s with the Hong Kong mm-hmm. action stuff, as well as Japanese animation. And you go back a step further to Akira Kurosawa. If you were to go look at John Wick or John Wick 2, you would see an amazing similarity in composition to 
Sergio Leone, uh, Bernardo Bertolucci, and Akira Kurosawa. We just like that. But I think our true influence is almost back to silent film. I love mm-hmm. Buster Keaton. I really enjoyed Harold Lloyd and Charlie Chapman. Um, if you can tell a story with the volume down, and you can still get what the movie's about, and you can still see the emotion on, on the character's face, if you can still see the chasing and get what's going on, I think that's a big part. Uh, my partner and I, Dave Leach, on the first movie, really tried to do a silent film. That's why Keanu's character says very little, and it's all done with emotion. So I think that's a good way to tell the story and have the dialogue and everything else's backup and really say things that mean something when they mean something. But we, you know, that's just like the, that's just what appeals to me. It seems like too from uh, Asian action films that they do value the time put into mm-hmm. that stunt work. And is that something that you also got when you worked with Yun Wu Ping on The Matrix? Is that something kind of you got to see on a Hollywood film? And did that inspire you in any way? Well, I, what we really liked about working with Yun Wu Ping was the methodology behind his action. The amount it was rehearsed, the amount of training that went into the cast. Most stunt teams rehearse a great deal with stunt doubles and the stuntmen and a little bit with the actors. We go absolutely, we throw every penny we can into training the cast member. And we just don't train them to memorize moves. Keanu was trained on this one to be a practical three-gun firearm technician, meaning he was trained in rifle pistol with live fire, you know, in a very safe environment up at a, in a professional shooting range, as well as trained with SWAT and uh, military personnel, and then brought to the choreography teams to accentuate that. Our best judo and jiu-jitsu martial art people were used to train them. So rather than fake being good, we just trained Keanu to be good. Basically, we just trained him to be a stunt guy so you can learn on the fly. Now, we got that from very much the Hong Kong thing because it allows you to shoot differently. If your cast member is, an, is just a rock star and can do all the choreography that we want, you don't have to cut, or you can choose where the cut goes. It's a, more of a directorial edit to give you pacing or to give you emotion or to give you some kind of storytelling ability, as opposed to our actors only train to do three moves at a time, which forces the edit. Or I have to use a stunt double, which forces the angle. Or I can't see because the other stunt guys haven't been trained. Or the cameraman hasn't been on rehearsal, so the cameraman's got an 80-pound camera on his shoulder trying to keep up with all the guns. It always comes through, again, trying to hide what's not there. The Hong Kong teams, their cameramen were ex-stunt guys. Their editors were stunt like From the editor to the director to the performers, that link or that production line was all on the same page. They were all at rehearsals. They were all there. So on John Wick 1 and 2, our editor was here. Our cinematographer was at the cinema, was at the stunt rehearsals. Our stunt team, our cast members were overtrained. And that's where you got it. Now take that, when we work with the Wachowskis, they took the attention to detail of other directors in acting, lighting, and Wu Ping's attention to stunts, and they're the ones that put it all together. And like, one thing you get, which I completely agree with, they didn't see a distinction. At the time, even myself and probably Yung Wu Ping and the other action teams that were involved, you know, it was the acting scenes and then the action scenes, the Wachowski saw no difference. They were one and the same. And they really, truly believed that. Like, that's why there really was not a giant second unit on The Matrix. It was, you know, our first unit directors carrying the story right through. The dojo scene in the first Matrix is a literal dialogue scene. It is an actualization of Keanu and Lawrence Fishburne coming to terms with who Neo is becoming. Just because they're doing kung fu, they might as well have been sitting at a table sharing a drink. It didn't make any difference to, to the directors. They just continued the story, and the action was just another set piece. And that was a huge eye-opener at the time. Like, you should never stop. The action is the story. The story is the action. And when you're choreographing stunt scenes or deciding to shoot them, how much do you plan in advance in terms of, like, storyboarding it out or planning the choreography? And then how much of it is reaction to 
the actual location once you get there? I mean, do you also allow mm -hmm. for some amount of improvising in terms of what you it's, find there? It's absolutely unique to every situation. We have a standard, I, I guess, I'm fortunate. I have a background in action, a background in directing, a background in storytelling, a background in writing. So it, it starts with me, and I conceptualize what I want this character to be. We know we want John Wick to do a different kind of gun work. We know we want to do close quarter work. Okay, now I go with this done scene of Keno. What martial art fits this best? And we'll develop our own martial art based on jiu-jitsu or judo or sambo or tactical three-gun work or, you know, how the Navy SEALs clear houses. Like, we'll come up with that and we'll kind of steal from everybody. Our stunt team will go out and play and shoot video viz or shoot test footage on video of what we want this to look like with our stunt teams. From there, if it's a gunfight in this, okay, what environment gives us the best way to make this look cool? For tactical gun work or close quarter gun work, the way we want to shoot, maze, hallways, tight quarters kind of thing, museums, catacombs, you know, warehouses. So we look for those locations. And then once we find a location where I go, oh yeah, this is great, I bring in my stunt teams and they spend two or three weeks adapting all the stuff that we've already conceptualized and conforming it to the locations. Throw in, if you're going to do big car sequences, that's a little harder to just go out and video viz. So if you do a car sequences or big cranes or explosions, that becomes more storyboard or animatics that help to complement what we do live action-wise. So depending on the scale and the size of the sequence, that determines the methodology that we prep it. You brought up car stunts. There were amazing car stunts in this film. It looked like it hurt. <laughs> Uh, the benefit of having 20 years experience in the stunt business is you know all the right guys. So having been a second unit director for so long in my career, the question is, okay, now who's going to be my second unit director? And um, I brought in two very close friends to be my main stunt coordinator was J.J. Perry, a martial art choreographer and designer in his own right, and a very good friend of mine, Darren Prescott, who I consider to be the best second unit car action sequence designer. And when you don't have a lot of money or time, which car chases can, can be. You have no time to waste just driving around the block really fast. So I go to my friend Darren and say, look, I want this to be the equivalent of Gung Fu, but with cars. So he's like, okay, that means we're going to hit a lot of stuff. I'm like, yep, I don't want any car left untouched. So Darren will go through and design all these sequences and train Keanu to actually drive, because we want, just like we want Keanu in the gun sequences, we want Keanu in the car sequences. And Keanu's already a pretty handy driver when we got a hold of him. Darren and uh, his driving double Jeremy Fry will go out and teach how to drift, how to spin, how to lock, and how to crash vehicles. So now we have canneries not just in the gunfights, we have canneries actually crashing into cars and hitting people, which he, d he actually runs over a couple sun guys, which is great. So it's the same kind of process. Get the right guy, somebody that's creatively amped. And again, sometimes being creative doesn't cost more or take more time. It's just, just brain power. It's sitting down with the right creative individuals and coming up with stuff that is financially independent of what you really want to do creatively. And Darren designed, I think, a very interesting sequence in the beginning and a very interesting sequence uh, in the warehouse. It was great stunt work because, I mean, I see a lot of action films, and I really appreciated how it surprised me because you get used to mm -hmm. certain yeah. kinds of we stunts. To break them all. Again, it's just, even for us, it's a challenge. Again, this is only my second directorial mm -hmm. adventure. So you try to take the same attitude that we take to our other films. We try not to just duplicate it's very easy to be, okay, we're well-known as a martial art choreography company. We are an action. We could take, and I have so many fight scenes already choreographed and on video, I could take the same ones and just use them over and over. What we try to do is take principles and attributes of certain things that we love and carry those throughout in our method and our process. But the actual, we try not to look back. So when John Wick was done, we're like, okay, I can use nothing from that film. Next. 
how do we reinvent and that it's I'm not gonna lie to you it, it's difficult it's hard it's frustrating and there's always the temptation to go back to what you know you just can't you really can't because you'd be bored and like, you'd regret it the rest of your career when you watch movies so it's like okay what didn't we do what haven't we seen and again you can't waste time rather than drive the car on really fast and try to mimic something like Civil War who has six to ten weeks to do a car chase we have six days how do we make it interesting you know, it's just not about going fast. It's like, what does he do with the car? What is he? And again, it comes back to story. It has, you know, because again, I'm very fortunate. I have a cast member that is very, very collaborative. So Keanu can sit in, you know, one of our action meetings and go, John Wick wouldn't run. He'd just ram you with a car. We're like, great. That one sentence is what we're going to put. John Wick, he's going to try to get out because he doesn't want to fight. But then he's like, it's not really about the car. And his mentality is not evasion, it is destruction and collision. So we're going to base it on that. So John Wick just, if he can't shoot you, he's just going to hit you with the car. And that's kind of how we designed the sequence. That simple. Well, let's talk a little bit about 8711. Mm -hmm. um, and when you started this company with David Leach, was your plan initially that you were going to move into directing, or was that something that kind of came up later? It, it, it was kind of a two-pronged thing. Dave and I have always wanted to at least action direct since fairly early in our stunt careers. As soon as I found out that that was a thing, <laughs> I was like, that's something I'd be interested to do, especially because I like, I love martial arts. I love martial art choreography, especially, again, like we talked about from Asian cinema. And the best way to bring what you create or what you choreograph to fruition is being the director. You know, you can control how it's edited, you control how it's shot, which gives you a truer version of what you want to do. So I think that was always there. At the same time, after working so much with with people like Yong Wu Ping and, and, and the Hong Kong stunt teams and the Chinese stunt teams was like, okay, there's a need in the Western cinema for something very, not just, I don't, most people don't know how stunts work or the stunt community works. It's usually the producers hire a stunt coordinator who kind of oversees it, maybe hires a fight choreographer, a fight coordinator. They hire the guys three, four days out from the sequence, maybe a week out. They get a little bit of rehearsal time with the actor. They train them. You know, a uh, martial art instructor trains them or a personal trainer, and then they kind of just teach the actor to memorize the moves and hope that they're going to get something good out of it. Very, very few times is the cinematographer or the cameraman brought into rehearsals. We kind of go more with the, the Asian cinema methodology, like we've explained, where we want everybody involved. In order to control that, we needed to be slightly higher up the ladder and slightly more experienced. So we just focused on that and tried to really specialize in that. So the two naturally just kind of come together if you get where we fit in the process. And people come to us and go, well, we want this look. Because again, so many times in modern day action films and big, big movies, you can feel the division between Story, story, story. Okay, cut. Action scene. Everybody go home. Let the sun team stay. Like, you can feel, like, it's, it's almost jarring to us a lot of times. Like, how can they spend so much money and not care about the... We took, we knew our greatest obstacle when Dave and I did the first movie was like, okay, they're stunt guys. How are they going to do story? How are they going to work with cast? They don't realize that in the second unit, you deal so much with cast and we deal so much with story because we're trying to execute the vision of a very most of the time a very, very successful director already. So, you know, we spent and did our due diligence as much as we could to put as much love as we could into all the, the mions and sen, the, the story, the lighting. We wanted people to know that we're not just concerned about action. We're concerned about the story A to B, as any good director should, which is a bit of a, a, a wacky kind of conundrum that we see nowadays because so many directors are very interested in that stuff. Like, they'll tell stories away with the lines, but they won't, learn anything about action. Well, the second unit guy will do it. Just, 
we learned about storytelling. We le- you guys can learn about action. It would make a better film. Don't give up on the action. That's my biggest thing. And the audience should not accept that. Make the directors go back and learn their... ABCs of action. Learn they should have a they should have an opinion. They should have it's going to show. You can't just shake the camera around and hope your editor will figure it out ten weeks from now. Like that is a when someone like Paul Greengrass did that. That was an aesthetic choice. He's done plenty of films where he knows like and that was a, a phonetic choice to wake the audience up a little bit. And I thought it was a good choice. The first time I saw it on the Second Born, I thought it was a very creative choice. Most people do it nowadays to hide, like we talked about, and I think that's a directorial mistake. Like, if that's your style, great. But if that's your fallback, get-out-of-jail-free card, I think you've, you've missed the bus on what you really need to do. So then how did you move from being a stunt company to actually getting John Wick made? Was that a difficult process to get backers to say, like, yeah, let's let these stunt guys actually um, helm a film? Before there was John Wick, there was two or three offers made to each Dave and I of different kind of films, usually a low-budget or medium-budget action film that was shown us. It just didn't... Like, when we say action... I prefer genre action. I like martial art sequences, or I like what we call meta-realities or, or hyper-real worlds, you know, like your Bonds, you know, where it's not quite real. <laughs> or John Wick is a great, I mean, of course it's a great example because it's what we wanted to do. It's a hyper-real world that doesn't really exist, but we make it feel like it almost could. Like, that's a cool, it's world creation. We like that kind of thing. Peter Jackson did it with Lord of the Rings. You know, George Lucas did with Star Wars. They're same old mythological tales. We just did it in modern day rather than period or sci-fi. So we were looking for something like that, something that would let us do something different. If someone hands you a Navy SEAL war script, you're stuck in that world to be tactically correct. And you, you try to bring a true vision and you can still tell a good story. It's just for what we wanted to do with action and what we wanted to do with the visual style, uh, say like a, an anime or a graphic novel style, it wasn't the right fit. So we kind of held off and held off and held off. And actually, it was Keanu that was just out of the blue phone call going, hey, what's going on? How you been? Good. You? Hey, uh, I got this script. I want to send it to you. Really like the guy in it, but it needs a little bit of, it, it, it needs something. Would you mind giving it a read? And I think that was on a Friday. And by Monday, I was telling him, I want to pitch on this. I want to direct it. And I think Keanu had specifically known that because he knew we were trying to direct. And I think he just found it, and he put two and two together, and he's really the reason it all came together. He was already attached at that point. So in answer to your question, it took a lot of faith and trust on his part to have a first-time director come in and pretty much be in control of his career for a show because it you know, that could have gone, gone bad too. Luckily it didn't. But he had the faith and trust in, in us to direct a, a film. So when you have Keanu Reeves, who's I think a legitimate Hollywood star, say, hey, would you want to direct a movie with me? It, it was a long wait, and it was hard to get over certain humps and hard to get trust, but we, we were very fortunate. We had somebody like him pushing us up the ladder, so it wasn't that hard. <laughs> well, it seems basically the way you're talking about it is it was a payoff for all the care you were taking along the way, that he trusted you, that you could bring this to fruition. How, however you want to explain karmic debt is fine, but yeah, luck, karmic debt whatever it's all good i'm lucky and what else does 8711 do besides your particular you know directing projects and work because you guys have a whole stunt company yeah we have a stunt company we specialize in the training of uh, martial arts stunt teams i think we have a very elite martial arts stunt team that deals solely with training cast members to become proficient in certain skill sets that are used for on-screen performance. And we're an action design company, which means you come to us and we'll help you write a great car chase all the way from words to paper to cars to pavement. And it seems like with John Wick 2, 
that you're taking the opportunity to develop more as a director as well. I mean, not mm -hmm. just the stunts kick ass, but it seems like you've kind of upped your game there too. Yeah, I get bored really easy. So no, I consider it like it's a great opportunity if you're going to be 15 hours a day somewhere. Again, I have this mantra that I'm, I learned from my father and my grandfather. It's like, if you're the smartest guy in the room, you're in the wrong room. So uh, I try to get people much, much better than me and much, much smarter than me on my crew. My cinematographer, Dan Lauston, my editor, Aaron, uh, Evan Schiff, production designer, Kevin Cavanaugh, all far more talented at what they do than what I do. So it's a challenge to keep up with them and try to expand what weird pictures I have in my head. How do I get them out and learn as much as I can from them? So I think as a filmmaker, if you're not doing something like that and challenging other people, they won't challenge you back. So I think it's a good, I don't know, I, I enjoy learning. Well, with the success of John Wick and now John Wick 2 coming out, do you think you've proven to Hollywood to a certain degree that they will trust you to use kind of your model of filmmaking that says, yes, let's take more time doing this and, and maybe, uh, you know, integrate the action sequences more? Do you think that there's a little more of a proven track record now that maybe you could get something else made that you really want? Yeah, that's a good question. I find most in any sense of the word established order is always a slow learner to evolution I'll just say that so like I'm sure there are many out there that'll get it or I'm sure there's many out there that would get it once they heard the words or I'm sure there's many out there that get it but just haven't found a way to to process or how to execute it um, hopefully because like uh, again always fun to be the spearhead to be the first guy to do it but then it's really great you know I, nothing would make me happier than see some other director or some thing uh, inspire me by doing a better job than we did that would make us do a better job so that would be great you know I'm very competitive so it'd be fun to see that it'd be great do you think it's going to be easier to do the kind of stunt work the combination of because it doesn't seem like there is that dividing line between the stunts and the directing that it's one continuum and do you hope that that's going to be something you'll be able to do easily in the future I think in our in our process or in our thought or in our planning I think it's easy to always write down I think execution is always tricky so hopefully it'll never be that easy. I'd hate to take it for granted, but it's always challenging. Um, again, you know, the more you get into Hollywood, the more scripture you read, the more projects. Everyone's got its own uniqueness to it. So you have to apply. You, you might have your standard axioms, I'm going to do it this way, but it, it completely changes. The cast can change it, the crew can change it, the location can change it, the people you're dealing with can change it. So like, I, um, I like to hold true with that mentality for right now. I don't know, Inter interview me after the next film and I'll see how it goes. So you say you like challenges, and you don't like to kind of rest back on, on things you've already achieved. So what do you see for the future of yourself in 8711? Um, I'd like to see us continue to expand. I'd like to see us continue to take projects that are a bit more challenging, that are a little bit more defining. I consider The Matrix a very defined. I've, I've had the chance to work on, like, I would say three fairly defining projects in my career, whether it was a stuntman, a stunt coordinator, a singing director, or a director. I was fortunate to work with a good friend of mine named Brandon Lee on the movie The Crow, which I thought Alex Provost did an amazing job of bringing. I think that was one of the first times we ever saw a graphic novel-esque film successfully executed in the way it was intended by its original author. Um, I was fortunate enough to work, obviously, with the Wachowskis on The Matrix, which I thought was a, a defining moment of the time period for action, about bringing martial art action and choreography into, or Hong Kong-style cinema or Japanese animation, into mainstream Hollywood, because before that it really wasn't. I got to work with Zack Snyder on 300, which I consider visually, again, the next level in graphic novel exposition. And then, um, you know, I, I consider John Wick at least in action to be a step ahead of most of the contemporary action kind of films. 
I'd like to see us continue to do that kind of thing to work with people like the Wachowskis or like Zack Snyder or like, you know, David Fincher or Spielberg or people that are ahead that want something more and something different than status quo. I mean, if we can continue to work with those kind of people and that kind of clientele, I'd be really happy. What do you think has been the key to your success with 8711? Do you think there's some sort of defining characteristic about you guys that made you so successful? Probably, <laughs> let's see, political correctness, apathy, and stubbornness. No, um, we do what we love. And, you know, fortunately, what we love to do is something that is aesthetically pleasing to other people. We like creating cool choreography. We like cool action. We just like it. It's what we all grew up with. Every member of both our stunt teams enjoys that. I think if our facility and our company did not exist, our 20 or so on stuntmen would still be doing what they're doing, just, you know, in barns and parking lots and all the gyms. They just, I think we've got the right group of people to do that strive to be good at whatever they do. I mean, we have a lot of type A personalities and professional athletes that don't know how not to succeed or know how not to be creative. I think that's the driving force behind us. Maybe you're a little like John Wick, too. You have a very singular vision of moving forward yeah, <laughs> and not uh, taking obstacles. Uh, yeah, it's, yeah, I don't know what you'd call that. Unbalanced lifestyle, I guess. Um, we love what we do. You know, I don't think any of us could tie our shoes, <laughs> but we're very, very good at what we do professionally. So that's good. I don't know. It's just a drive. You wake up in the morning and... Again, fortunately, we like going to work. Like, work for us is an expression of the people we want to be. So I think that's, that's a big thing. It's not a job. Are there any action stars or any actors that you would really like to partner with on a story? Again, over the last 20 years, we've been super fortunate. I can tell you one thing. We, we've never worked twice with someone we didn't like. <laughs> so that's good. If you look at our... Our company's resume, we've worked with some amazing people. I mean, everyone from Sylvester Stallone to Arnold Schwarzenegger to Jason Statham to Steven Seagal to uh, Hugh Jackman, Matt Damon, Keanu Reeves, Brad Pitt, Chris Hemsworth, Chris Evans, Scarlett Johansson. I mean, it, the list goes on and on and on. Jason Momoa now with Aquaman. Uh, Joel Kinnaman, who is a, a real player. I mean, we, they're awesome. There's some really, really awesome people out there. And to find those people and actually to get them into our facility and see the professionalism and the drive and how much they care and just know that you're helping create a hero, you're helping create a character that, you know, 30 million people are going to see is kind of a rush. Now, I know you've inspired quite a few other stuntmen and filmmakers, so what kind of advice would you have to people who kind of want to follow in your footsteps or at least be able to exercise their craft in a more effective way? Two things. I would say one, and I, I know everyone says it, but I believe in all that, don't quit, don't ever quit opinion is just that it's opinion you know when I was going to school so you know don't go to karate class don't go to karate class it'll never okay karate class is paid for a couple houses <laughs> so it's done really well uh, the other thing is ask once ask twice learn if you don't know something and you feel like you're stupid you ask it once you're only stupid that one time if you don't ask you're never gonna know and you have to fake being smart just ask like, don't be ashamed of not knowing something. Ask and learn. Everybody's job on set, just learn, 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 learn. Because you only have to be done once. So just keep going, keep going, keep going. Learn everything you can about everyone's job. Talk to everybody on set and just never give up. I take it that's what you did on a lot of your films? Yeah, I'm just, yeah, I'm tenacious. <laughs> so have you ever thought about doing a, an action film that centers more on female? That would be, probably that's my biggest box to check. I'd like to do... Not so much a John, a female John Wick or anything like that, but I'd like to do something where I took a really, really talented actress that wasn't associated with action and transformed this. Uh, 
you know, I was a big fan of the first Born Identity. Matt Damon, to that point, was considered a very good actor, but he wasn't considered an action star in any way. What that movie did for him, no one saw it coming and actually endeared you to him more. I'd love to find the great actress that really wanted to invest some of her time, like some of the guys do, and become this, and I'd like to be a big part of that. I think that's probably my number one goal right now. Well, that's good to hear, and I'm really glad to hear you said you didn't want to just do a female John Wick, because no. the gender swap thing doesn't no. work. Well, I want to thank you very much for your time. No, my pleasure. Thank you very much. Whoever comes, I'll kill them all. The man, the myth, the legend. John Wick. That was stuntman-turned-director Chad Stahelski. After seeing John Wick Chapter 2, with its expanded universe, elegant international locations, and slick production values, well, I think the Bond franchise should seriously consider asking him to do the next installment. Common worked with Stahelski for the first time on John Wick Chapter 2. He braved the snow in New York to come to an NPR studio and speak to me by phone. I asked if he had seen John Wick before accepting his role in Chapter 2, and if he went into the sequel knowing what to expect. I saw the first John Wick when I first had the opportunity to to become a part of Chapter 2. It was like I had heard about John Wick, but I hadn't seen it. And, and I watched it because um, my agent had called me and said, hey, you may potentially be up for a role in John Wick 2. And I watched John Wick, and I was, like, thoroughly impressed. And, you know, it kind of caught me by surprise because it was like it had the elements of what I love in in movies where it's just fun sometimes. You know, not every movie has to be serious, so it was fun. But I loved the, you know, the lead character in it, and it didn't take itself too serious. It just was a vibe to the movie. So, yeah, I saw the first one and really, really enjoyed it. And tell me about the character you play, Cassian, in Chapter 2. Well, Cassian in Chapter 2, I'm a chief of security for um, for one of the, like, top bosses in this underworld. And I, my character is like a rival to John Wick as far as his skill level, him being an assassin, his intelligence. He's just at the level of John Wick, so... Um, you know, and and my cat, my character speaks Italian, which was a lot of fun for me as an actor, just to to get into you know speaking Italian, especially when as we filmed in Rome, just um you know traveling around Rome, knowing I knew a few words was exciting. But but Cassian is is um, a smart guy, like he goes by the code that that these assassins live by, and he's an honorable person. He's not like a bad guy. So um, when my friends always ask me, are you playing a bad guy in John Wick? I'm like, nah, I'm just, you know, just playing uh, this, this, this assassin that, you know, when, when called to do his job, he does it and does it very well. And you guys seem to share a certain sense of professional courtesy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we definitely have a, you know, it's a, it's a reverence and a respect there um, for John Wick and Cassie. And, I, you know, I look at it as, as two rivals that 
that really don't dislike each other. They, you know, and and you know, Keanu and I discussed at one point they probably had worked together on certain missions, but when it's time, it's it, it's it's two professionals that do take care of their business. They do have respect for for the culture of of being assassins and 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 taking and taking care of that world. But and yeah, so so we got it. We we honor each other, but when it's time to go to work, we go to work. Now, in this particular film, it's not like the film stops the story to do action. And it seems like the way you guys fight and the way you guys participate in these action sequences help to define your characters. Yes. I I truly was informed even more about my character as I started training and learning different techniques. It was like, it helped me to to shape my character and I just so he just wouldn't be this just physical guy. He had to be a a well-rounded individual and you could as you said, you could tell by it, within the fights we try to keep those as stories too. Like we try to keep those as like a scene and a journey and you do get to know these characters more and you get to know not only their force but in in different ways, you know how how they maneuver and how smart they are, you know that's that's all part of um, the being of who these people are, and um, and yeah, the fights the fights definitely move the story along, and we look at John Wick because we do enjoy, you know, seeing all this action, but it also has to be something for me like that I just go into the world and can enjoy and 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 like connect to some of these characters in, in different ways, and for surely when I watch John Wick, I. I I relate to John Wick, and I wanted that same feeling with Cassie, and where you, where you could res- respect him and and feel connected to him. But what I found about Chad is that he really knows how to create a world. He was really like, you know, from my first conversation with him. You know, he let me know that the intensity would be there when it came to training, and I told him I was all for it. You know, my heroes are like Muhammad Ali, and, you know, and people who who were mentally strong and, and sometimes had to be physically strong. So um, he he really gave us like a direction of how to to really shape this character, these characters, and also like the details and whether it was a tie pin or whether it was a watch, it was, and the way you would hold your, you know, your cup when you're having a drink, we 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 discussed all these details, and I think that's what I saw when I when I saw the first John Wick, and that's what you get with John Wick Chapter Two is you really get this world, and Chad knew how to create the world where you could just you can let go, and when you go to a movie, you know, you go to movies, some movies you go to to escape from the world, some you go to you know that you hope would help change the world. And this is definitely a movie where you can escape into the world of John Wick. And, um, and yeah, Chad was really just from the beginning through every moment was really like really um, particular about the details and had a vision and was able to, to communicate that vision. And we also were able to collaborate. And, and, and one thing about him too is like, he works with intent. Like he will step in and start showing you the fight moves himself, because he's equipped to do that. You know, he's a very skilled um, fighter, and 
and martial artist, and um, you know, he's do- been doing this for a while, so he was able to do that. But along with that, he's one of those guys that like, like we'll rehearse and he'll love it. He'll love the, at the rehearsals, and when we get to the set, he'll come up with new things for you to do, which is sometimes challenging but fun. Now he does bring a different sensibility to how he does action scenes, different from what most American films are like. So how was that in terms of, you know, when you actually came to the scenes that required intense fighting or gunplay? Well, I, I mean, it was, it was, it turned out for me like it turned out to be a, a wonderful experience, and and it definitely had its intensity because. You know, sometimes when you're filming those scenes, there's so many other things going on outside of just the scene, whether it's like time, you know, you're fighting with time just because the daylight may be coming, you know, because we would film a lot during the nights. You know, we just don't have time for for whatever reason. But what he was really able to do was like, okay, well, we have this we have this choreographed and and this is what the fight seek this is what takes place but he was able to get into when we when we got to the scenes be able to say hey let's change this here why don't you try this when things went wrong he was able to really flow with it and and create i felt that it was a real creative process when it came to to just like uh whatever whether it was dialogue scenes or just action scenes he kept he kept it very creative and and a spontaneity that I actually like is as dangerous as it can be because you know when you're doing all this action if you've rehearsed it you know that's the safer route but sometimes you know when you get there and and it needs something new and you feel something different he was able to bring that and be present and I think it brought life to a lot of what we did he also seems to like employing these long takes, wider angles, which puts a lot more burden on you as the actor because you are expected to do a lot more of the fighting yourself. Yeah, well, I mean, I actually take pride in, in doing the fighting. I mean, I, I'm the guy that's, I'm always saying I don't want my stunt, stunt guy to work. I don't want my stunt double to work. I mean... You know, I want him to get paid, but I don't want him to have to be in on the on the scenes. I really like take a pride in in that being me on the screen. And I told Chad that when when he first when we first got on the phone to you know to talk about me playing this character, I was like, look, I want to be one of the great actors that can do action scenes and and deliver. And I know you are at the highest level. I know eighty seven eleven. You know, his company is at the highest level when it comes to that. So I'm willing to do whatever the work and I'm letting him know I was capable. So when he when he I knew we were doing long sequences and long shots, I was all for it. And, you know, Keanu is the same way. I mean, that's why when you see John Wick or John Wick 2, you see Keanu doing the stunts. You see him doing the work. And and for me, it, it keeps you in the movie. It keeps you like in the world of John Wick, and, and you believe these characters more. If you start looking at other people doing the doing the work, then you start. It could take you out of a movie, and I I think everybody that that Chad decides to bring to the table is a is an actor who can deliver the work, deliver it, and, and do their own work and own stunts. And 
I I love the the long fight sequences because I one of my favorite movies when it comes to fighting and, and action was a movie called um, The Raid. Oh yeah, and it was you know yeah, and I always was like man I want to do something like at that level, and I felt like you know we were stepping into that zone with John Wick Chapter Two. So, what kind of training did you do, and what kind of work did you do with eighty seven eleven? Well, it's it's. It started with just basic conditioning and and like flexibility exercises, and then it it, it matriculated to martial arts, jiu-jitsu, um, some kung fu, and then I started doing knife work and some gun work, and you know I would implement what they what Chad and eighty seven eleven like to call knife fu and gung fu. I would imp- we would implemented that into into like the the fight sequences. So it was it started with the basics, and then I just would progress. And I and once I got everything you know to a certain point where I could like go out on and do it in in a scene, then I started to work with Keanu. You know, initially it was like working with a partner who was part of the stunt team, but then. You know, I prepared enough to get to work, you know, with Keanu, and we went from there. But it's definitely a lot of martial arts, and and it's like learning new languages. Like, it really is because I never would, never really knew much about jujitsu. I, I would see it, or see, you know, see the words and ride past places that where people train doing jujitsu, but I never knew what the what the language was, language as far as fighting. So. What what Chad does is often referred to as fight choreography. So is this really kind of like a dance for you when you get into these fights? It truly is a dance. It has the rhythm of you have to have a rhythm to it, and you and you learn your partner's rhythm. Uh, the thing that's that's sometimes tricky is you may train a lot with this with a stunt double, and then once it's time to to get into the scenes, you work with you know whoever the, your partner is. Mine happened to be Keanu, and thank God he was with doing a lot of rehearsals because we got our rhythm down and got our dance together. But the, I guess the difference lies in it's a certain intensity when you're throwing a punch or, or throwing an elbow or, you know, giving someone a knee that does it, that takes away from the dance, like, aspect of it. But it's still overall... The overall pitch is, is it is a dance. So in terms of your training, like how many hours were you doing and how much kind of training did you do before you started shooting? Well, I, I know I, I did at least three to four months of training. And it would start from, like, it was probably like just from nine to three each day. And from there, you know, I would have to go home and, and work on it too in the mirror. Like, okay, let me let me get this together. Like, let me let me work on it. And I mean, I, definitely when we were filming in Rome, I can remember going to my hotel room, just really working intensely on it. So it it, it was months of training, and definitely hours throughout the day. And and you know, it's that's what it takes. And and at at that point. Like I said, you you do all that training to prepare so that you can get those scenes in the choreography right. And if Chad, who, which everybody who works with them knows, he's he's 
he's going to throw you a curveball. So he's going to give you something different to do. He's No matter how much he says he loved the the rehearsal and, like, he loved it, you know, what he saw on tape, what we've done from the rehearsal, he's going to come up with something new. I can remember, like, filming in Rome, and it was the start of a scene where my character Cassian hits John Wick with the car, and then we we had to figure out how what was the next step, and he wanted me to jump over the, like, jump over the hood of the car and slide with the gun. And for the first times I couldn't I couldn't get it right and you know, I was like, Oh man, I felt like I was letting the whole team down. But eventually I was just my adrenaline just got there and I just was I I, I can remember jumping over the hood and Chad was like, Wait, you know you just jumped over the hood. I was like, What? And then he's like, it, it looked good though. It looked good. I, so I was happy about that. But you know, working with him you just have to be you have to go through your training so that you could be prepared to do anything. Well, I got to interview him, and I have to say, he seems like the kind of guy who always likes to raise the bar. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah, he definitely likes to raise the bar. And and it was funny, I mean, uh, you know, he and Keanu go way back since Matrix days, since the Matrix days. You know, I could tell Keanu, and he, Keanu would say this to me, that he he wanted to make sure Chad was happy. Like, we would do certain takes, and we felt pretty good about it. But if Chad didn't come over and and show that that smile or, you know, just give us the energy that that was excellent, then we both felt like, no, nah, we want to do it again. Uh, like, we got to deliver. So he is he is a person that sets the bar high, and, we, and you know, I want to deliver at that high bar level because it ultimately comes out to to be to make the film great to make people love the movie. And did he talk at all about kind of the influence he influences he had in terms of what he was trying to do? Did he talk about, you know, how Hong Kong action films were kind of showing him a different way of shooting? He didn't speak much about that, but he did tell me he enjoyed some of the the films and what they were doing, the Hong Kong action films and um he would joke with me and talk to me about how doesn't this feel like when we were kids when you were a kid and you just you know would get into you would see Bruce Lee or someone doing something and want to do it you want to imitate those things and it's like you get to be that kid that that can do it now he you know I could see how much of, how much of a passion he has for for martial arts and and action and really movies. I as much as as much as I can say John Wick obviously is a is an action movie. It's, it's still something that you like about the characters and he makes sure these characters like are are alive and you have and you connect to them in some way or, or another. So I think his passion for for movies come comes out Hong, for him to watch those Hong Kong films and and know that this is the next level is, to me, is really cool. To, and, and I think that's the world that he he's able to, to kind of like conjure up is is like taking those elements and taking the joy that he had as a kid, like watching these movies and his experiences from um, working on the Matrix and and all these other films that he's done now, bringing all that and saying I'm gonna raise the bar. Do you have you seen the finished film? Because I'm curious if you know how shooting those scenes compares to seeing the finished product on the screen. I have seen you know the finished product, and it's 
And I was very pleased. That, you know, it's hard when you're watching the movie for the first time because you're so critical and you, you know, especially when you, when you as an actor first get on the screen, it's like, oh man, you, you, you you're critiquing everything. Your heart is beating like what? Oh man. But watching the scenes and, um, and just watching the film itself, I was like, I was very pleased. And also the work that you put in, you see it at another level because obviously they cut and and try to keep the best takes. And sometimes some things you're like, oh, I wish I could have done that better. But when I looked at the film, I definitely felt, I felt grateful. I felt pleased. And I was like, man, this really looks good. Like really, I, I felt we had um, moved along with from in the John Wick story in the John Wick like saga we you know we moved it along and 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 respected it and, and gave homage and respect to the first John Wick but also took you deep into the world and 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 the fight scenes are, are heightened it's, it's it's growing it's getting better so um I was happy with it and and you know you see some things that may get cut but a lot of my stuff didn't get cut so I was happy well, I was just curious if you felt like his approach to, to doing the action from the shooting stage, if you felt like on screen it really paid off and delivered something that seems a little bit fresh and new. Oh, his, yeah, his approach truly, seeing it on screen, I felt, I felt like this is a fresh take on what I've seen in, in action movies in, in a long, in a, in a long time, like, you know, in a way that, like, really, honestly, probably since the last John Wick, but even more, like, it's it's the, some of the things that we we did and some of the things that he accomplished in this film is. I was like, man, this is this is the highest this is the highest level. I was really looking at it like, man, I'm excited. I can't believe I really I'm in this movie. Like, I was like, oh, this is really great. It just it felt like. It felt like he brought something really fresh to this genre of movies, and um, and that's what we want to do. We want to make it. We want to see it grow. We want to see how um, we could push the envelope and, and 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 allow people to enjoy things in a new way. So I understand he calls kind of the style of action he does as kind of a gun foo. Well, this is the thing. He has he has different ways of like when you when you utilizing a gun. And you and he combines that with certain martial arts techniques. Yeah, he comes up with this thing called gung fu. And then, like I was u- utilizing a knife, and he would put that with with these different techniques of martial arts, and and um, that's where the knife fu came from. So, I mean, it sounds funny, but I mean, probably if you were using the pencil like John Wick does. That's the pencil fool. <laughs> <laughs> well, it seems like I'm a, a big fan of Hong Kong action films, and um, it seems like what he brings to it is he takes all that martial arts action, but then he adds in kind of more American weaponry to it as opposed to, you know, like sword play or something. Yeah, well, I think that's where that's where the freshness comes in because you get you get somebody who studied... I mean, but he's not, like, when we were working, he studied 
you know, some of the Hong Kong techniques. But he also was, I was looking at tapes of, they would send me tapes of M- MMA fighters. And I was like, they had me studying fighting like I had never watched before. Boxing. So it was, he, so he definitely takes from some of the, the Asian influence, but Americanizes it and comes up with his own um, vision and style. And I think that's what that's what gives the audience something new to look at. And how do you think he was different as a director because of his stunt background? I mean, do you think that, you know, made him better at kind of putting together an action film? Well, I think it's just because his because of his stunts background, he he knows what works. He knows what's gonna how it's gonna translate in film and when you're watching the story, he knows that the film, you know, that the action has to have a story to it. And he told me that. He was like, you know, we want this to have a story to it. He knows that. Uh, and he, he has an instinct that that really is like if something's not working, he knows how to re-energize it. Like, I can remember him like really talking to us about keeping in this intensity up in this in this fight scene right before we crashed through the windows of the Continental John Wick and Cassian before we crashed through the windows he said this this has to be a intensity you got you got to be to the point where you want to rip like his heart out like you just because once we go through the windows we can't fight anymore and when we end up in the scene sitting at the bar, it kind of would, you know, it kind of makes it funnier. It brings a different dynamic. So, I think he had, you know, he's able to see, hey, I gotta bring this intensity, bring these different type of colors to these fights. But also, in in the in the path of the story, this is where it will work, and this is how it works. And that stunt background definitely helped him to experience that, see that, and know also. When when he has an actor, he he knows how to draw off their strength or whatever their strengths are. Like Ruby Rose used to box, so he knew that. Well, he didn't know it initially, but as she was working and working out with, she he was like, "Wait, you boxed? Okay." So he he let her character have some of that as a strength. So it's a, I mean, he knows that he he can step in and he knows what the experience is and he knows. Also, he could push you to the level, you know, to the limit, not to try to hurt you, but he knows, like, okay, we can go another one. You, we, we can go another one. Like, it's it's like when you hear about certain coaches are really good when they, because they play the sport, and um, I think that's what he brings. One of the fights I really liked was the one you and Keanu have on the subway because I love when confined spaces kind of help to define how the fight goes. Yeah. That fight was, that fight was, it was really, um, we had that choreographed really in a, in a strong way. And I think I was happy with the way it turned out because in that small space, it was difficult like to, because in the rehearsal space, we tried to estimate how much space we would have on the train once you get on the train and and his and his cameras and his people there, the space you know became smaller, and 
<laughs> and it was just like, okay, we got to get this done. And it's something about the energy of being in that small space and having to, to fight in that small space that is, is something that brings out the animal in you. Like, wow, you know, you have to go and you, you all have knives and, and you have these, you know, these um, techniques that you're supposed to do. But it's, but it's, I can remember that night being very intense and and Keanu and I, when we didn't get it right, Keanu was was heated. Um, if he didn't get it right, if I didn't get it right, I was definitely not happy with it. But eventually we got it there. And um, I think, yeah, the scene turned, it definitely had an intensity to it. So what do you think was the, the biggest challenge and the biggest satisfaction you got working on this film? The biggest challenge the biggest challenge I would say would be really working out the the choreography and then having to execute it at like five, four or five in the morning. You know, like you know, like just because the scenes were so we were filming the scenes throughout the night. So that it was a little challenging. Um with dealing with that, some of the changes that came up, but I, I look forward to the challenges. You know that that's part of it. And I think it brings uh, it brings certain element of of reality to us. And when it's cold, it's cold, and you can't like there's nothing you can do about the cold. So those those challenges, like I don't know, they for me they help me, and and I feel like the reward is when I see it on the on the screen, and it's like. You can't fake being cold. You're fighting in the cold. That's just another element that that's brought to the story that that, that makes the the story even more raw. You know, like you're on a you're on a cobblestone of of Rome. You can't fake that. Like that cobblestone is is it hurts. You know, you're rolling around on that cobblestone. So those challenges like turned out to be, you know, um, things that brought out the best, and I think brought brought more life to to all of the scenes. And which part of the stunt work did you find the most challenging? Was it like the gun work, the knife work, the, you know? I, the, the, the stunt work I found most challenging was, was the jiu-jitsu um, because as a kid, I, I took martial arts for, well, I took karate for like a year or two. I never got, you know, I never got up there in belts. But... You know, kicking and punching is something that's kind of natural in that way. But, you know, jiu-jitsu is like a a different language when it comes to, to fighting. And just the spinning and, and you know, the work you do over your shoulders and the sweeps that you're doing, it's like, oh, man, I didn't, you know, I, I didn't know they even do this to fight, you know. So that was the most challenging and difficult when it came to to the fighting. So do you feel that the training that he gave you kind of gave you this toolbox to go into? So when you go into these fights, it's like, oh, which tool do I use for this part of the scene? Yeah, I, feel, I mean, I feel like I can go conquer the world. Like, meaning I feel like a superhero. I can't, I'm, I, I'm like, man, I'm, I'm looking forward to the next project that I have to do and it's, and it's dealing with action. I'm not saying that, you know, that it won't be some new things to learn, but 
I feel like I've been given a, a tremendous foundation, a phenomenal foundation from working with Chad in 8711 and Keanu, which just you know, the base of having 8711 and knowing that I could access them and and that I've worked with Chad, I feel like, you know, I've worked with some of the greatest and one of the greatest to ever do it. So I'm ready. I'm like, oh, man, bring it. Come on. All right. Well, thank you very much for taking the time to talk to me. Thank you. I appreciate it, Beth, and I have a great day. All right. Peace. That was Common talking about his experience making John Wick Chapter 2. To get some perspective on what Chad Stahelski is doing to push the envelope on American action films, I spoke with Bay Logan by phone from his Hong Kong home. I let him explain how he became involved in martial arts and then obsessed with Hong Kong action films. I mean, from when I was very, very young, growing up in a city called Peterborough in England, I was absolutely fascinated by the moving image and all those kind of manifestations, TV, films, and even comic books, which are kind of a moving image. Then martial arts, or what martial arts were available at that time, which was the Avengers TV series, not the Marvel Avengers, but you know, Mr. Steed, uh, Steed and uh, Emma Peel, the James Bond movies, and then later the Kung Fu TV series. And I was just absolutely fascinated by every aspect of Asian martial arts and beyond that, Asian culture. And other friends of mine, I think, in the 70s had similar fascination and later moved on to other things. And for some reason, for me, it stuck. And I remain devoted to martial arts, both Asian martial arts, both in terms of practice, research, and as kind of the core of my filmmaking. I also am very involved. I'm a, in, I love film, and I'm involved with film in every aspect of, um, you know, every aspect of it. I'm, I'm a, a, a huge devotee of cinema, beyond just Asian martial art movies. You do martial arts yourself, correct? I do. I've been training in various martial arts most of my adult life. In the recent years, I've been focused on a style called Hongaku and Honga Kung Fu, which is from the south of China, from a city called Fatsan. Uh, and the most famous exponent of that style is a, a person called Wong Fei Hong, who's been depicted in more movies than anybody, anybody else ever has. I just found that fitted my body type and my disposition. So now I have a school and I support my teacher uh, to, to, um, to run classes. And I also uh, teach private students myself here in Hong Kong. And for the last 20 years or so, after moving to Hong Kong, I've been involved in the film industry. And I think, as far as I know, I'm the only white guy. Uh, <laughs> so if I can, it doesn't sound politically correct, but I'm like maybe the only non-Chinese. I'm the only white guy working in Hong Kong as a, a writer and uh, a script writer and film producer. And I've been doing that for 20 years now and have the honor of working with a lot of my, my heroes along the way. Um, uh, Jackie Chan, uh, Samo Hung, someone like Donnie Yen, who I think is more than a hero of mine, has obviously become a very good friend. And he and I have worked together over the years. So it's been uh, quite a ride. Now, what is it that you feel Hong Kong action films do that's different from what American or Hollywood um, action films do? Well, I think there's been uh, definitely Hong Kong was ahead of the curve and has become, in the area of screen combat, been hugely influential on the development of American cinema. And I, I remember I used one of my jobs in England before I moved to Hong Kong was I was the editor of a, uh, a film magazine called Impact. 
And we would see the big American movies of the day, like the very early Batman, the Tim Burton Batman movies, or the, the Warner Brothers action films like Tango and Cash, and uh, these kinds of films. And you would, um, every aspect of them would be state-of-the-art, the special effects, the production design, and the scripts would be very good. But the martial arts action was, was really lagging behind. And I was always um, evangelizing and saying that Americans... Studios should hire someone like Samuel Hung or Corey Yoon or Yoon Walking to go to make to do the action on these movies and the other aspects they could handle themselves, but they're not as good at doing martial arts combat. And of course, the choreographers, some of the American choreographers, when they heard about this, were up in arms and they would say, "Well, you know, uh, American audiences will never sit still for all of that fly, flying on wires and leaping around, which is what they perceived the Hong Kong style to be." What I think was different was different and is different about the Hong Kong approach is it's a holistic approach in that there's a tendency in America, um, or there was in the past more, to when you had a martial arts fight, you would basically shoot a wide shot and grab what you could of two people swinging at each other. There was a, a sense that you kind of, you just had to put it together in the editing room, uh, having shot from very basic angles. Or a more recent and even more unpleasant phenomenon for me is the idea that you have two people fighting. And so to make the audience feel like they're involved, you shake the camera, like the poor cameraman has Parkinson's or something, and that, that style. And when you um, look at the Hong Kong way of filmmaking, you look at the way that a Donnie Yen or a Sam or Hong would look at a fight sequence, an action sequence, they would be looking at it with a very specific sense of space and time what angle to shoot from, what lens to use on the camera, what camera speed to shoot at, where to cut. And they would be editing the fight in their head, and the camera would be a participant in the action. And sometimes that would mean quick cuts to different angles to cover what you need. And uh, sometimes it would just be locking the camera and having the people move within the frame. Whereas with American fights, you would just shoot from two angles and cut it together in the editing room and hope that it looked okay. With Hong Kong filmmakers, they would use many more angles, and the analogy I would all, all sometimes use is that their fights were, the reason that the fights in even classic Hong Kong movies, movies shot in the 70s, the film that the fights look so great today, is they were shot in a form of 3D. There was a 3D approach to them. Not that they were using technical 3D, but the, the, there's like a three-dimensional angle to the way that the fights are shot and covered. Whereas with um, the American equivalent, it felt more like 2D. That they just lock, set the camera in a certain place, and you got what you could. With um, Hong Kong filmmakers, they, would, they were so brilliant at shooting with the right film speed, with the right edit points, that if you go back to classic movies of Sam Hung and uh, Donnie Yen and Yun Wah Ping, they stand up today because of the, the craftsmanship involved in the way that they would approach covering that kind of action. And it was a very different mindset. Now, of course, many Hong Kong filmmakers have worked in America, and many American filmmakers have studied and borrowed from Hong Kong filmmakers. And now I would say that on the better, Hong, on the better American movies, not all, but on some of the better American martial arts action films, there's, in certain kinds of action, they're pretty close particularly contemporary action. Would you say that The Matrix was kind of a turning point for American films? Oh, absolutely. It's interesting. I was working at a company called Media Asia at the time, The Matrix, just before The Matrix came out theatrically. And my then wife was working at Warner Brothers, and both offices were on Canton Road in Hong Kong. 
and she gave me a very early video. It was a VHS. That's how far back it was of the very first trailer. And I just looked at that and said, this is, this is going to be the paradigm-shifting film. This is the turning point. And we knew Yun Ping had done the action for the movie, but nobody knew quite the degree to which he was going to be allowed to, to realize his vision. And I remember showing it to my bosses, showing it to my senior colleagues at Media Asia, and they were like, they thought it was a cool-looking trailer, but is it really such a game-changer? I said, yeah, it will be, because Americans have never seen this style before. I mean, there were two. There was, like, The Matrix, which was the film that really delivered a new kind of contemporary martial arts action. And then, of course, you had Crouching Tiger. I was present for the world premiere of that film in Cannes. And again, there was this stunned reaction from the non-Chinese audiences. Of course, if you were a Chinese audience, you would have seen a lot of that stuff before, maybe not with the scale of Matrix and perhaps not with the style of Crouching Tiger as a film, but you would have seen that style of action, so you maybe wouldn't be so excited. But if you were... The, the, the defining films were... There was a movie that Warner Brothers did called Soldier with Kurt Russell and Jason Scott Lee a few months before Matrix. And, I mean, Soldier really looked so slow and so clumsy compared to Matrix that that was the old guard leaving and the new guard arriving within a few months. And it was at Warner Brothers who had done Enter the Dragon years earlier. So I have to give credit to Warner Brothers. They tend to be ahead of the curve in terms of martial arts action. But that was the... the you're absolutely right. The Matrix was the, the, the real paradigm-shifting film. And after that, American... Not all of them delivered on it, but all American movies had the potential and the promise of delivering something close to Hong Kong-style action. And are you familiar with 8711 and Chad Stahelski? Very much so. Yes. You know, uh, to my I'm, I'm sorry to say I've never met any of the people involved, though we have many similar friends. David Leach, who's one of the guys there, I seem to remember we've had some exchanges previously, uh, maybe by email or something. But I greatly admire their work and have always thought that the, what they did with uh, movies action, even before... John Wick, what they did on movies where they were responsible for the action was really extraordinary. The two things I would mention about that, one is that um, the, uh, what's interesting is a lot of the times when you have a movie that is a Hollywood studio film, even though the choreographers have done their job, the, the director and the studio and the special effects and the editors, everybody gets involved with the process. And sometimes when you look at the, the, the DVD, the behind-the-scenes the behind video of the choreography looks amazing. But what's in the finished film is not as, as good. I mean, a case in point would be a movie like Ninja Assassin with Rain, where they spent all that time training this guy to be an amazing martial artist. And you, to me, you don't really see that in the finished film because of the way it was shot. But that wasn't the fault of 97.11. That was, that was down to, you know, people making the movie. So it just didn't, to me anyway, I was disappointed because if you're going to call your film Ninja Assassin, I expect to see a guy, a ninja assassinating people, and I want to see some slam-bang martial arts action. But with John Wick, they were directing the film themselves, the partners in that company, so they could call all the shots. And I think that's why everybody thought John Wick was amazing because the best thing you can do if you have choreographers who know what they're doing is get out of their way and let them do it, which is the foundation of the Hong Kong filmmaking approach. The other thing I would mention is that people say to me, oh, well, you know, now the Americans are doing martial arts combat on screen as well as they do it in Hong Kong, as well as they do it in China. I would say 
for certain kinds of contemporary um, fist and foot fighting and gunplay, that's absolutely the case. I still think that we do kung fu fighting, whether it's Yip Man style, grounded, southern fist, or the crouching tiger, flying in wires style. I still think we do that better in Hong Kong. We do that better in China than anybody does in America. But for the contemporary action, they've absolutely caught up. I think that Chad Stahelski does a really nice job of getting a lot of the elements from Hong Kong action right, because Hong Kong action, a lot of the things that, to me, symbolize it is like fighting in confined spaces, using anything as a prop, you know, letting you see the whole action in a wide shot. And he seems to be doing that kind of thing well. I agree. You cannot dismiss these guys and say, oh, they're just ripping off, ripping off Hong Kong filmmakers. They have their own vision, their own style. Uh, and John Wick, the John Wick films look different to the equivalent um, Hong Kong movie. They're, they're different films than, than would be made in Hong Kong because those guys bring their American sensibility to the project just as an American filmmaker would, just as a Korean filmmaker would, because um, there are definitely some really underrated contemporary action films in Korea as well these days. But they brought their own aesthetic and their own look to the films. But what they've done that's really important, and it sounds so obvious, is you really want to see the technique. You want to see what somebody's doing in frame. And if, hopefully you want to see them doing it, you know, or at least if you're going to double somebody, they're doubled in a way that the audience is going along with the ride, that they're not going, oh, my God, look, that's a stunt double or it's a special effect. So if you have people like, I believe Keanu Reeves now is trained to an extraordinary level, for an actor, I mean, that you can see his movement in the film and you just go, this, this, you know, you see a wide shot, or you, the camera follows him doing a long sequence of motions, and the audience is, is stunned to see clearly everything that's going on. You have another style, which maybe the born identity style, where they choreograph it, and then when they get on the, on the set, they just shake the camera up and down, and you almost think maybe they didn't have bothered. And there's another disturbing phenomenon, which I witnessed. I was on Triple X, saw it before on Fast and Furious. When they do action scenes, they want to use high shutter speed. So you get this kind of shimmer-shimmer effect, and you don't need it. I mean, none of the great martial arts movies in Hong Kong have had that effect. Recently, I've seen it creeping in here as well. And I don't see why you need to enhance what's already extraordinary, which is the physicality. What you're selling, what you should be selling, is the physicality of the people in the frame, whether it's the actors or their doubles. But that's what you're selling to the audience if you're doing martial arts on screen. You know, if you're doing... If you're showing a, 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 you know, a spaceship, if you're showing a beautiful location, if you're doing a drama scene, then you, you've, got different, you've got different requirements. But if you're actually having a martial arts fight sequence, whether it's one person against one or um, one versus uh, a bunch, you should be following clearly the action. And it's interesting because you look at a movie like Triple X, which you know, my man Donnie Yen stole the movie anyway, but I don't think the way that the action scenes are conveyed appropriate because of the shutter speed, this kind of flicker effect that they have. When they look at a movie like The Accountant with Ben Affleck, who's a great actor, but he's not one hundredth the martial artist that Donnie is. And the end fight is fantastic. And the action in that movie looks really good because you can see what's happening. And I want to see, I want to see the guys fight. That, that's why I'm... It'd be like going to an MMA fight and, and they put a strobe effect on all the way through an MMA match. And you'd be going, why are you dazzling me with the lighting effect? I want to see two guys 
go at it in the cage. Well, that's what you're seeing if you if you watch a martial arts fight scene in a movie. To my mind, the responsibility of the filmmaker is to show the two people in combat in the most clear and dynamic way possible. And that's always been the hallmark of great Hong Kong action filmmakers. And now and more and more people in, in, in Hollywood are signing up for that same aesthetic. Well, and the other thing is the overcutting as well. Yeah. No, I mean, it's just, well, I mean, sometimes, look, I mean, the, the fact is, Sometimes the shaky camera, the blurry effects, the, the lighting being dark, the cutting, it's to compensate for the fact that maybe the actor can't do much, doubling, there's a lot of doubling going on, or that the action itself doesn't look particularly good and you need to somehow ramp it up in the editing room. Um, so there's reasons why you, you make choices that you make, and I'm really aware of that. It's less acceptable if you have someone like Tony Jaa in... Fast and Furious, who we know can move really well, and he's subject to kind of bad lighting, bad edits, and shimmer shimmer effects because you don't need that because you can cut him loose and he can do a lot of a lot of stuff. I'm a little hesitant because I mean I don't know. It's like if you're a fil- if you're a maker of films, I think there's this disturbing trend that everybody has a second career as a critic of films. But um, I, I I suppose having worked in the business as long as I have, I can at least tell you my taste when it comes to the aesthetics of action filmmaking because I've been involved in the industry so long both as an active participant and as a uh, as a devotee of the genre. Well, it also seems like in Hong Kong and other places in Asia that they value it as part of the filmmaking process because they actually have awards for action choreographers, which is something they don't have here. Well, it's amazing to me that on the major action movies, martial arts action movies that get made, that the action directors, the stunt coordinators don't get a front card credit on Hollywood films. I think Yin Wo Ping did on The Matrix, which, I mean, if he hadn't, it would have been outrageous. But with some of these films, you're thinking, apart from the stunt and martial art action sequences, why would you be bothering to watch this film? And yet, the stunt and action coordinator get rele- gets relegated to the back credits, and you know you get 19 producers at the beginning. And by the way, I'm sometimes one of those 19, so I'm not saying take away the producer credits. But if you're going to credit 30 producers at the beginning of a, uh, a you know a new image movie, which doesn't require even barely is produced by one person, um, surely you put the choreographer in. <laughs> you should have the choreographer's name up front as well. So, um, uh, whereas in Hong Kong, you're absolutely right. I mean, in the old days, directors, action directors, swap roles um, very casually, which doesn't happen so much in Hollywood. But it was very common uh, for directors to action direct on, on do, direct a movie, action direct another movie, or even direct an action direct at the same time on, on two films during the golden days of Hong Kong filmmaking. But we knew that was our stock in trade. That was something we did better than anybody else in the world. So... That became the focus. The other big thing was happening in Hong Kong at that time is they were not shooting uh, live sound. So you would shoot the dialogue in like, you know, a day, and then you'd have a month to shoot the action, which is great. Whereas in America, it tends to be the reverse. You get like a month of the, even on these big action films, when one might argue the scripts are hardly Chekhov or Shakespeare, you get like a week of drama, and then you get told to do like a day, you have to cover a fight in a day. And that, that's another different uh, difference in the approach. So, I mean, for Hong Kong people, we always thought they were movies. 
Hollywood for a long time was into talkies. We were into movies. The, you know, we would move, the camera would move, and the films would move at a good clip. And the idea was that what people were buying when they went to see a Hong Kong movie was action. And so do you see that what Chad Stahelski is doing as like a positive move for action films in America? Oh, absolutely. I mean, I think it's fascinating, the cross-pollination, because I bet you're going to see people in China and people in Hong Kong doing a similar kind of movie with Chinese people in Chinese, because there's definitely, one cannot say, oh, this movie is just a frame-by-frame remake of a Hong Kong movie. They've taken something of the Hong Kong aesthetic, but they've also added what is specifically their own, to quote Bruce Lee. So I think that anybody who's working in the field, who works to a high level, you know, will, first of all, the work has integrity unto itself and that advances the whole of the form. And secondly, it's, I, I think we're living in a world where you have to be, I don't want to use the word globalization, but I mean that there is a sense that art forms now really know no boundaries. And you get people, like, for example, in my own uh, tradition of the Hongakun, there's definitely more focus and more dedication on the part of the non-Chinese students than there is on the Chinese. And most of the people in Germany, the people in Italy and America and England who are practicing the style are far more dedicated overall than the people in Hong Kong these days. So similarly, um, I think that Hong Kong, obviously Hong Kong action filmmaking has been transformed into Chinese action filmmaking or Chinese filmmaking, but it's definitely not at the same level as it was in its heyday. And so the fact that there's opportunities for Hong Kong filmmakers in America and the fact that Hong Kong, American filmmakers are absorbing some of the Hong Kong style is really great because, I mean, uh, I don't know. I, Hong Kong filmmakers have worked primarily in China, but I don't know if anybody would argue that the increased budgets and the increased platform means that the movies made in China now are as great as the movies we made in Hong Kong in the golden era. I don't think they are. And I think that definitely there's a case to be made. American, Chinese audiences seem to want to watch American movies more than anything else. So another way to perpetuate what I consider to be my art form may be the, the kind of the, absorp- the absorption of Hong Kong-style action into mainstream Hollywood movies. Okay, well, I want to thank you very much for making some time for me. My pleasure. Happy to talk about it. Well, I really enjoyed talking to you, and um, hopefully we'll talk again. Thank you. All right. Absolutely. Take okay. care. You All too. Right. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. That was Bay Logan, author of Hong Kong Action. Thanks for listening to another edition of listener-supported KPBS Cinema Junkie podcast. If you haven't seen John Wick 1 and 2, go see them now, and maybe this discussion will allow you to watch those films with a newfound appreciation for all the work and innovation that's gone into them. Plus, they're just ridiculous fun. And it looks like Chapter 2 leaves an opening for Chapter 3, so we have something to look forward to. Although I'm not sure how much more abuse John Wick can take. All this talk about action makes me want to queue up a Jackie Chan or John Woo film before heading out to see John Wick Chapter 2 again. So, till our next film fix, I'm Beth Accomando, your resident cinema junkie.